Welcome back to another episode of Let's Not. I'm your host, Sam. And I'm Michelle. And we are on episode 22, which is almost to 25. Mm -hmm. So exciting. I know. This week, we're going to be talking about the Gabby Petito case Mm -hmm. going on. But by the time that you will hear this, there might be more details and such. So we're just going to talk about what we know as of right now. And then Michelle's going to be talking about... The Murdoch case. Which I don't know anything about, no. really. And then Michelle doesn't really know all the all of the details about the Gabby case. I don't know, like, anything. Anything? No. So we're just going to be yeah. kind of telling each other about it mm-hmm. and updating. I can't wait to know because my news feed, everything has just been bombarded with this Gabby case. Yeah. And I'm just turn it off, look away, because I'm like, Sam's going to tell me about it. Mm-hmm. So I just can't wait to, to hear what's going on there. Yeah, and I don't know anything about the case that you're going to be talking about. I think I didn't even know about it until you had asked me, mm-hmm. and then I maybe saw one article, but that's been yeah. it. Oh, it's a, it's a lot. Oh, I, man. I don't, I can't even believe what it is. Really? Yeah. Is it like a crazy one, or is it like... It's like a sad. It oh yeah, it's sad. Um, but I would say maybe just even one of the stories within this story is like a Dateline episode, and Whoa. then there's like five more. Oh my gosh! Um, so it's a lot. Okay. So Michelle, how's life? Life is good. Ooh, um, life is good. I love that. Oh, thank you. Um, I feel like I don't have too much to talk about. I spent my weekend working on some cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends asked me to do their wedding cake, so I was just kind of enthralled in that whole thing uh, because I don't do anything with fondant ever. I just do buttercream, and I didn't have to do any fondant cakes this time around, thank God, anyway. Um, but there's a lot of different techniques that I was trying out for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I did my first gold leaf application on a cake, which was fun, and easy easier than I thought it was gonna be that's nice Mm -hmm. and I did my first like uh jam drip type of a thing but it was fun I mean there was like a lot of components to to do like make syrups and make jams and make buttercreams and make cakes it was nice I just want to eat a bowl of buttercream oh man yeah is it will it be good like, no. <laughs> really? Like, it's too much? It's too much. Like, too yeah. sweet? Too sweet, and it's it's literally just fat and sugar. It's mm. half butter, half Crisco, confectionery really? sugar, and vanilla. That's it. I think that's also the thing with, um, I wouldn't call myself a baker. I would call myself a decorator. But after doing it for so many years, like, knowing knowing how the sausage is made is just kind of like a, ooh, that's literally just Crisco and sugar yeah. on that cake. Well, I thought the cakes looked beautiful. I think they came out good. Michelle posted them on her Instagram. Yeah. I I posted, I made three different ones. I posted the two that were not selected, but everyone that I've shown privately, the third cake to, that's not going to the wedding, Mm -hmm. aka you, and I mean, Jake's going to the wedding, but I showed him too. Everybody was drawn to that one. So I'm like, okay. And it was the winner. It looks like a thousand dollar cake. I mean, I don't know how much normally cakes are like that, but I told Joe, I was like, it looks like someone would pay a few thousand dollars for a cake like that. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It is so fancy and beautiful. (laughs) It's good. I I don't think that they go for thousands of dollars. I mean, maybe if it was like a humongo cake, but. Or if we were in New York. If we were in New York, yeah. Like a three-tiered wedding cake runs about three to five hundred dollars. Did they have a hard time choosing which one or was it pretty easy for them to narrow it down? It was pretty, so I, like, made them talk about the decor with me, like, the outside of the cake, and that was, like, the clear winner, and then when I was slicing it, I was like, anything can be mixed and matched, like, Mm -hmm. don't get thrown by, like, what the outside looks like, but even the inside was exactly what they wanted, too, so that full cake was just, wow. I didn't need to make those two other cakes, (laughs) is what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) It was a waste of time. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) They all came out good. Um, But no, I, I was not to be a bragger but I thought they came out really nice I think so but that's what I did with my weekend Jake was at the Boston tattoo convention so it was nice that he wasn't in my hair and I was able to just 
like slowly truck through it all, mm-hmm. but I would have appreciated him being my dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just saved those. Sometimes I'm, I'm pretty nice. Sometimes I can be nice. <laughs> Sometimes. What about you? What'd you do? What did I do this past weekend? I don't really remember, to be honest. Oh my gosh, yes. What? Happy fall. Oh, happy fall. <laughs> it's fall, finally. Ooh. I'm so happy. Yeah, this is when this bitch thrives. Yes, this is when I do not want to in mm-hmm. my life. So you're like a worm after a storm. Yes, <laughs> I really am. I really am. I'm excited to soak it all in. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited for you. Yeah, it just feels so nice. Mm-hmm. Even yesterday, it wasn't that cold, but somebody was like burning wood. Oh yes, oh, that smell. I love that when you're like outside and it smells like burnt wood and then you mm-hmm. go inside and you can just smell it on your hair and it just smells so lovely oh it's so nice which speaking of fall and hair michelle fucking has chocolatey oh yeah yeah gorgeous hair and it makes me want to dye my hair brown now no are you kidding me you just got your hair done okay it doesn't it makes me look forward to when i do when my next go hair next. yeah your winter locks yes it's like rudy a little bit yeah. and then it picks up on all of the other like it gives areas. a little bit of other tones in there. I always love going back to a yeah. dark brown. What are you most excited about fall? Well, I think that when I can walk a little bit more, just being outside. Mm-hmm. I just like being outside in the fall. Yeah. Because it's too. like super comfortable. Really looking forward to, hopefully, Jake, if you're listening, I would love an apple cider donut anytime you want to bring one home oh, for me. Okay. <laughs> do you not love apple cider donuts? I do. Okay. Do you like from Dunkin' Donuts no, or no, from no. like a... From like farm. a farm. Okay. A farm. And then also if you are in Salem, I just got to give them props. I used to work there, but not affiliated. Coffee Time Bake Shop has the best donuts in general. And then they do like a line of apple cider donuts. So you can oh just gosh. do a plain one. You can do a, sh- a cinnamon sugar one, mm. a butternut crunch one. Sugar with a little bit of sugar. Please. <laughs> I I feel like when I'm eating a plain donut, I'm like gumming it down like it's so dry. What is a plain donut? Like, do you consider a glazed donut plain? No. A plain one is like an old fashioned. That's oh. more of the cake. I, we've had this conversation with donuts before. Oh, yeah. Just throw them in the trash. Are we making you guys hungry? Are you impressed by all my cake <laughs> donut <I know>. knowledge? <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, that reminds me so, Halloween Wars started. So, there's so many Halloween baking shows, and I'm just waiting for my call to host one because I totally could do it but so Halloween Wars started and I guess people are really hating it this season because they had a portion of like the decorators and like the bakers and then the pumpkin carvers they completely took the pumpkin carvers away like it's not even part of the cake anymore which that was the best part it was like so Halloween that's your opinion you know no, I'm just <laughs> How many bake shows are there, people? So many. Exactly. So many. There's zero um. <laughs> pumpkin carving ones. So Jonathan Bennett was hosting it. He played Aaron Samuels from Mean Girls. And he was yep. so cute. Like, mm-hmm. I loved him hosting it. And he would just always, like, pop around the stage and, like, scare people. And it was just so, so fun. Cute. So they got rid of him, which I didn't look into why. Maybe he's doing a movie, like, he does a lot of Hallmark movies, but I feel like I feel like he really enjoyed this gig. So they got rid of him, and now they have Zach Galifianakis. Bag- Zach, <laughs> close. They have Zach Baggins. Is it Baggins or Baggins? He's like the ghost hunter person. I don't know exactly. Who that is. No, he's big like in the spooky community, but he's okay. more like a ghost adventure. Now he's kind of hosting it because I think he has a show, so they're trying to promote it. But he's not even there. He's just like. They show little clips of him through the TV. It's just so... It's not the same. And a lot of people are, like, absolutely hating it. Yeah. And they're like, what have you done to Halloween Wars? Um, But, yeah, so we start... We watched the first episode, and I guess they have more people in the competition. So it's like you get... You're competing for a chance to compete. I get it. Like, I think they're just wanting to stretch it out maybe a little bit longer. I don't know, but... See how well, goes. I don't know if there's not the pumpkins. Yeah, it's just another. It's just bake another. Show. Yeah, there's like more Halloween baking shows coming on, and like the pumpkin carving ones. But I think I was annoying Joe because every time one of the judges would talk, they'd be like, "All right, bakers, so now your next challenge is." So I would just repeat them as if I was hosting it myself, <laughs> and Joe's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "Joe, it's so easy. I could totally host uh-huh. that show." But and I would be there in person. 
And I, yes, be there in person, not with my fucking face just splashed on a TV. But I've always said, I'm like, they should totally pay uh, Elvira to do it. Oh, yeah. Which leads me into... I saw this. Well, okay, go. No, you go. You go. You go. You tell me what news you know about her. (laughs) So, she's my mom. It Uh has been revealed that she is my mom. It's been revealed. Here's the big secret. Here's the big secret. No. So, Cassandra Peterson announced that she has been in a relationship for like 19 years, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with a woman and good for her partner. Just like you're dating Elvira, not even saying anything about it for 20 years. Uh Like, good for you. Like, how are you not out there being like, yeah, Elvira's my girlfriend. That's my girl. Yeah. Oh, Cassandra? Yeah. Yeah. It's mine. I know her. (laughs) You you don't need to worry about her. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love it. No, I did see that. I guess she announced it in her new book, so. You got to leave those good secrets for the book. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So we're going to go ahead and get into the Gabby Petito case. There's a lot of information online. So mm-hmm. do your own research. This is just what I gathered that I could see that was pretty much the same across all of the places that I was looking. So, Michelle, what do you know about Gabby Petito? All I know is that she took a cross-country trip with her boyfriend, and then he came back alone, and then when you had told me about it, I had Googled it, and it said he was missing, so I thought the story was that she killed him. Really? And that's where I stopped looking, because he was missing when I looked up at it on, like, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was why it was, like, so big. That's interesting that that was your thought because of how they were doing the headlines with Mm -hmm. him missing. Let's get into it. In July, 22-year-old Gabby Petito set off from Florida on a cross-country van trip with her fiancé. But two months later, Brian Laundrie returned home alone with the van that they were traveling in. What we know is that by the time he returns home, not long after... He had a lawyer. Whoa. Yep. So Gabby and Brian, they began dating in March of 2019. They became engaged in July of 2020. But a lot of sources are saying that their engagement was broken up. But then some people said that they were just pushing off the wedding. Like it kind of went both ways. Okay. Um, But it sounds like their engagement was broken off, but they were still traveling together. Gabby also lived with Brian and his parents in Florida. So pretty much like family, you know, like this is a young girl who's dating your son, engaged, Mm -hmm. and she's been living with you for some time now. The two of them had taken a road trip before, so this wasn't new. They had traveled a few states, um, and the parent, everyone's parents felt like they were safe because it was something that they had done before. They yeah. weren't really too worried about them. They planned a five-month trip across the country. Gabby had a white van that she redid the interior in because they were setting out to do, like, the van life of where you just travel and live in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, sounds simple, and all you get to do is just travel, look at the beautiful sights. Yep. Don't really have to worry about spending money on a hotel, anything like that. So they left New York on July 2nd. Gabby also documented a lot of her adventures on her Instagram account. Was she, like, known as, like, an influencer? Did she... So, it's hard to tell because now she had... Her accounts do have a lot of followers just with everything going on, but we know that she had... She was previously a nutritionist, she had said, and she had quit her job recently because she wanted to start a blog and she okay. also wanted to start a YouTube channel and um, just kind of show everyone how to travel in a van and do like the van life stuff. Oh, cool. Her last update on her social media was August 25th. She was in front of a mural in Utah. This was also more than a week after police officers in Moab, Utah were called to a domestic incident August 12th. Her last known location was Grand Teton National Park. And we know that Gabby would call and text her parents a few times a week so they would always keep up to where she was traveling at. Um, They would do texting and phone calls. August 30th was the last text from Gabby to her mom and it just said, 
no service in Yosemite. So her mom was wondering, was this text from Gabby, Mm -hmm. was it really supposed to be Yosemite or did it autocorrect it from Yellowstone? Because what they knew, she wasn't supposed to go. It wasn't planned to be in Yosemite. So they're wondering, was this Gabby? Can I break in? You break in whenever, yeah. Okay. Were, like, was she suspicious of the text when it came in on August 30th or like looking back now she's like suspicious of it? Do you know? So she thought it was weird because it didn't sound like how Gabby communicates with her. It was just very like no service and bum Mm -hmm, bum bum. mm -hmm. It just wasn't like bubbly like how Gabby is known to be. Got it. Brian has returned home back to Florida with the van without Gabby. And that was September 1st. Okay. So like a day or two after. mm -hmm. So he's home, back home to his parents without his fiance who lives with him. Yeah. Lives with the parents. September 10th comes. Gabby's mom texts Brian's mom and she says, I'm worried about the kids. Have you heard from them? And it's interesting, like. You'll see, because she's like, I'm worried about the kids. Have you heard yeah. from them? Not like, hey, where's Gabby? Like, she's also including Brian mm-hmm. because they're a team, you know? Yeah. No response at all, Michelle. From his parents? From his parents. They did not respond one bit. Red flag. Red flag for sure. They also tried to call them. They uh-huh. called Brian and eventually not hearing. They're like, what's going on? They yep. called any mutual friend, like any friends of Brian and like no calls were returned. Returned, Yeah. The next day, Gabby's parents report her missing and this is September 11th. So they have no idea where she's at or anything like this. And mind you, Brian's been home since the beginning of September. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. So September 11th, the police show up twice at Brian's house. The van is taken into custody. Brian, it sounds like he already had a lawyer, but then Mm -hmm. some places I saw he requested a lawyer that day. But the majority of people are saying he already had a lawyer by the time that the cops came. Yeesh. So for the next few days, he's not speaking at all to law enforcement, which Mm -hmm. is, this was so crazy to me because I'm like, he was also not named a person of interest, being that they set out to go on a road trip for five months, like they should still be on it now. They were supposed to be in Portland, Oregon, I think in October. Okay. So it's like, you're- Why are you back? Why are you back? How mm-hmm. is he not a person of interest when mm-hmm. he's the fiance? He went on this trip with her. He returned home without his fiance who lives with him and his parents. Yes. How many times have we heard a story like this? Like Chris Watts. Yeah. What's the other guy's name? We've heard this a lot where it's like, how are you not named the person's person yeah, of yeah, interest? Yeah. I don't understand. So it's like he doesn't talk to cops. There's no communication between him and cops or Gabby's family. Like, it's crazy. So a few days after that, on September 14th, Brian is finally named as person of interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't understand that. It's like, there would be no other person of interest because he would have called the cops and been like, she's been taken. Somebody Like, you don't just come home, la-di-da, like, I don't know. So what are you thinking, like, right off the bat, knowing, like, his parents aren't even reaching back out to Gabby's parents? I think that he sent the text, went back home, immediately told his parents what had happened, and they were immediately like, you cannot talk to anybody, which is the advice I would give anybody anyway. Don't talk to cops ever. Yeah. They will just railroad you into a confession if they believe that you're the person. So. Anytime I hear that, I think, well, I wouldn't talk to cops either. Mm-hmm. But it does make you suspicious if, in this situation, it's like, no, it could be nobody else. Right. If something happened, why wouldn't you be at least telling our parents? Mm-hmm. If it was an accident, you know? Yeah. It's just crazy, like, a few days go by without them even questioning No. Them. And I wonder, I mean, you probably can, but, like, August 30th to September 1st. It's like, can you even get from Yosemite or Yellowstone back to Florida? So that's a great question because they even said that no. Like, there's no way that he was actually in Yosemite by the time 
that that text was sent if he made it back home mm. September 1st. Like, it doesn't match up. So they're like, he's lying. You're already on your way home. Mm-hmm. Yep. September 14th, he's finally named as the person of interest. Then he also goes missing. And I'm using yes. air quotations. So then all the headlines pick up, like Brian's missing now too. And then Gabby's parents had to remind everyone Brian is not missing. It's Gabby that's missing. Brian is hiding. Is hiding. Yeah. So then a few days after that, they finally released to the public police cam footage where they were stopped in they were stopped in Moad, Utah. And you can check out the footage on YouTube. It's like about like an hour and 20 minutes, maybe an hour and a half Shit. long. It's Yeah, it's really long. So these cops pull them over. So pretty much what we see is like they pull them over. Gabby's clearly upset. She's crying. Her eyes are red and Brian's driving. And the cops are seeing like what's going on and they ask Gabby to get out and they're like what's going on how's your morning going and she's like just been a bad morning like we've been having arguments Mm -hmm. and she was like I was just trying to get all my work done I've been stressed about working on the computer and the cop is like well what do you do for a job and she's like I recently quit my job I started a blog and I'm trying to get my website going and Mm -hmm. we're traveling doing this just being very open very vulnerable and then you can see them questioning Brian, and he's saying the complete opposite. He's like, oh, our morning's going good. Like, we're doing fine. And it's like, clearly you're not doing fine. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? There's just, like, multiple points of where Gabby talks about how Brian, she's like, Brian doesn't think that I can do this, so I'm trying to, like, do it. And he thinks, it's so fucked up, Michelle. Like, it's the more I watch it, I'm like, wow, he totally, like, is trying to power play her and like manipulate her and just yeah. make her feel small. So he, when he's talking to the cops, he's like, oh, she's trying to get her little website, her little oh. blog going. And it's like, hello. What's so, the point? Isn't this whole trip like to get like content and footage yeah, for her it's thing? Like, yeah. Like they both were sharing on their Instagrams about everything. But I guess, like, he wanted to go on a hike or whatever. So the van is, like, it's very cute. It's very, like, white and clean and just cutesy and very homey. And so you can imagine that you do want to keep your space clean. And I guess what he did, he got in with, like, muddy boots or shoes or something. And I think it upset her. And who knows what really happened. But she started saying, I have really bad OCD Mm -hmm. and I was just trying to keep it clean. Like, everything was her fault pretty much you know and she was like I told Brian I'm sorry that I can be mean because I do have OCD Mm -hmm. but I just want things to look nice like I'm just trying to do this and try and do that you know the police are questioning them like oh why did you hit the curb because I think they're just trying to slowly like see what's going on and Brian's like sorry about that and Gabby's like I grabbed the steering wheel like sorry that was my fault I distracted him from driving like what just like all this stuff that she's taking on it's just it's sad so the cops then question Brian and he's talking about how it's going he was like oh I pushed her hand away because she was trying to slap me and I was just like moving her hand so she wouldn't hit me he had apparently he had a few scratches on him so the police officers are looking at the scratches the main thing was they were like do you want us to press charges but mm-hmm. they both pretty much said it was just a bad morning we love each other we don't want charges to be pressed they claim it as instead of it being like a domestic dispute they claim it as like a mental breakdown cuz Gabby's talking about how she has OCD or whatever okay. and she just like worked up they're like, all right, well, we don't want you guys staying together tonight, so Gabby, you'll take the van and mm-hmm. stay the night or whatever, and then Brian will stay at the hotel, like, say goodnight now, say your I love yous, and then come back tomorrow and reconnect. Can cops do that? They I mean, I think they can tell you to separate? I think so. Oh, wow. Because if they get called again, then I think, like, one of you would go to jail. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know when they check, like, if they go to someone's house and they're fighting, they ask one person to leave. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't get worse or whatever. Um, but before that, let me go back and say before they decide to separate them for the day, they have Gabby in the back of the cop car. And they're like, all right, we're going to ask you a question. Like, 
uh, we're not going to file this as a dispute or anything like that, but think about how you're going to answer this question. Like, don't answer us right away. Sit there and think about it before you answer. Mm -hmm. And they were like, were you doing anything to cause harm to Brian? Mm -hmm. She's like, no. And so they're like, well, because she said no, then they're like, well, if you weren't trying to harm him or hurt him, we don't have to go down the path of it being a dispute. They separate. That's what we know. And then the next day, we are introduced to the 911 call. And now it was very confusing because it almost sounded like they got two calls Mm -hmm. reporting them. But then it sounded like there was only one. So it was really hard to tell if it was one or two calls. But Mm -hmm. It's like half and half, so it's hard for me to tell. So they released the 911 call. There was a shop that they were at. A stranger had seen them. He calls 911. He's like, hi, I would like to report a domestic dispute. And first of all, the 911 operator just sounds so annoyed. Like he has the guy repeat several times and he's like, well, why is this? And why is like just being so dumb? So the guy's like, I'm at so-and-so. I saw a couple fighting and he slapped her. And so he was like, well, why did he slap her? And he's like, I don't know, but they're not here anymore. They drive a van. This is their license Mm -hmm. plate number. Like it looked like they were fighting. And apparently what we have gathered is they were fighting and Brian ends up locking, locking Gabby out of the van, which remind you it's her van. She owns the van. He locks her out of the van She's seen trying to climb in the van, even just through the driver's side window that he Uh had down halfway. And it's like she's freaking out, not wanting to be left. Who knows what's going to happen, you know? Not that him getting slapped or whatever the heck happened, he deserved it. But it's like, if you're, I don't, who knows what happened before that to where she's like freaking out on him. Like, don't leave me. You're not going to leave me. You're not taking my van. Like, Mm -hmm. don't lock me out. Like I'm a child. Oh, that's so gross. It was seen that Brian had slapped her in the face. Jesus Christ. I can't even imagine at this age, like ever being slapped by another adult in my life. I know. Timeline is kind of, um, kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. from here on out. So forgive me, everyone. There was a YouTube channel who also was vlogging and whatnot, and they were staying around the area that Brian and Gabby were at. And just one day they were editing their video and they noticed that they see a white van on this dirt road that they drove by and they're like wait a minute and they put two and two and they're like is that Brian and Gabby's van so they end up releasing the footage and they talk about it online to hopefully that it gets out there and it is so creepy to watch Michelle because a lot of people were like you can see a man digging a hole by the van as they pass it and some sites were like no, you can't see any yeah. man. But the one that I saw that it was like on a news station, they slowed it down and they zoomed in and there was someone digging a hole Shit. like by the van. And it's so crazy because, and even like on Heather McDonald, she's like, no, it turned out to be a tree, but no, I saw the person like digging. digging. You can see someone moving and like digging a hole. And there's also like photos of the footage frozen where the van doors are shut you can see one of gabby's flip-flops on the ground and then you can also see her phone and so they're like was gabby alive during this was she just sleeping was what happened like what's going on in this this time you know abandoned shoes give me the the creeps i know and it's like you can only see one who knows if the other like she could have been sleeping maybe he was shoveling a hole for their yeah. Shit or something. I don't know. It could you have never been know. a tree and wind yeah. making it move. But it was so creepy. And then I also wanted to mention um, Daily Mail did an interview with one of Gabby's friends about Brian. And mm. she talks about how there was an incident where Gabby was supposed to go hang out with her. I guess they lived 30 minutes apart and Brian did not want her to go out with her friend. So he ends up taking her driver's license from her wallet and she mm-hmm. goes halfway realizes and realizes she doesn't have the driver's license and it's just like all these little like mind games that he played with her 
Um, Gabby's friend also said he just had a very bad temper. He, he also had some mental issues going on. This is kind of weird. It just, it was so much information that so many paths and so much information that people are like, oh, this theory, this theory. But it was also discovered that Brian somehow left Gabby to go back home for five days to clean a storage unit of Gabby and Brian's stuff. Mm-hmm. People are wondering, like, why did he leave Gabby to go home to clean a storage unit out? Yeah. Was the lease up or did was Gabby already dead and he's, like, doing something at home and saying that he's cleaning out the storage? Like, it's very strange. Did he, like, take a plane back home or he took the van or? Um, he didn't take the van, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, so that's still kind of a little, um sticky to figure out and also on september 16th brian's sister speaks to the press and she has said that she has not talked to brian for however long it's been quite some time she hasn't heard from him don't know where he's at and september 17th we see officials going into brian's home an evidence bag was seen entering the home to gather clothes brian's parents speak to police upon their request and then now brian is reported missing on the 18th the search begins for brian Mm-hmm. Police state that they have access to both of their phone data. They had announced that there was a body found in the area of where that van was seen in that footage that the YouTuber had talked oh, about. Shit. And they didn't announce, they didn't officially announce that it was hers, but they were like pretty sure that it was hers. So okay. everyone already like assumed it was hers and that she was dead. So then they officially announced that Gabby's body was found in the remote area of Grand Teton National Park. And just to remind you, so Gabby's mother received two texts after their last phone call, but she's not sure if they came from Gabby. Gabby regularly geotagged her Instagram post, but the last two posts were not. And so people are thinking that maybe Brian posted them. She had been living with Brian and his parents for two years. Gabby's family believed her relationship with Brian was on the rocks and her father refers to him as her boyfriend in interviews even though he was her fiance okay as far as Gabby's mother knows Brian's mom was close with Gabby very close pretty much he's on the run Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of speculation about where he's been at and people are saying was Brian really even home from September 1st to the 14th, like maybe his parents lied. Like, was he really seen? Yeah. Maybe he had been on the run yeah. long before we think he started running. Shit. I guess people are pulling apart some of his social media. Like some of it's kind of dark and creepy a little mm-hmm. if you like really look into it. Yeah. Like for example, on his Pinterest board, he has some like, it's just like dark, like cult stuff. And it's hidden on a board that's called Kids Books. And there's also a number in his Instagram bio that if you call it, it goes to like a very creepy voicemail. It's like, I didn't want to listen to it, but I was looking at stories and it played it. And I was like, oh my God, this is scary. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like, join us, like we're the new world, stuff like that. And it's, he also was seen in some of his photos, reading different books. There was a book called lullaby which is about a guy who travels into the woods with his girlfriend Mm -hmm. uh and they both go missing so So he's still missing he's still on the run yeah okay yeah still on no one knows yeah wow i assume that they would have found him by now tiktok like you guys are so toxic like (laughs) shut the fuck up there's like all of these like psychic mediums that are acting like they're (sighs) getting stuff from gabby getting stuff from brian just to gain followers and it's Mm -hmm. like i do believe in mediumship but have some fucking respect like this girl was murdered her fucking family is like going through hell right now there was one tiktoker who was talking about she was like oh I got a reading from Gabby. She wants us to know that Brian had good intentions. Like, it wasn't. Okay. Exactly. All like, right. it's so fucked up. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I th- this story has obviously played out time and time again. I feel like all of this background intrigue is getting a little like Elisa Lamb from, like, the Cecil yeah. Hotel, where it's like, 
well, maybe people are looking into too many mm-hmm. little aspects of it. Definitely has like Scott Peterson, Chris Watts vibes where it's like, you're really the only person that could be it. Mm-hmm. And also you not talking about it. It's obvious. Like if, if it was an accident, if she got taken, if anything happened, a call would have been made to the police at the scene. You don't drive all the way back home and get your ducks in a row mm-hmm. and then disappear. Like, yeah. come on. It's obviously you. Like Paul Flores' parents yes. were. It's possible Brian, this isn't the first time Brian's been in trouble. And they're just used to constantly covering for him. And like, once you start down that path, it's like, well, we can't backtrack now. Mm-hmm. People are like, why isn't the FBI moving as fast as people online? And sometimes you got to remember, like, they have to get their evidence. They have to get everything in order. Maybe they have stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's like, if people are trying to, if the sleuths are trying to solve the case, it's like, what if Brian is seeing, like, what they're about to solve? And so he has to kind of change his game plan. I don't know, but there has been a lot of stuff that has come from the sleuths that have helped it, but it's like... It's just, I don't know. Yeah. There was actually a uh, married couple that was murdered in the same camp area that Brian and Gabby were at. And so people are wondering, did Brian kill this couple? Yeah. Did, uh, were they the ones that maybe called their dispute in and Brian wait, went back and saw them? And They was, were killed now, like at the same time? Yeah. Like, just, it, like, yeah, like, their bodies were found at an area that Brian and Gabby were at. Bizarre. So bizarre. And so everyone's like, did Brian do it? Is there another killer mm-hmm. that killed them? And that killer's doing whatever? And Brian's over here doing whatever? There is, on the Pacific Northwest, there's either one or several people that do kill couples at campsites that haven't been, that hasn't been caught. Oh, my God. And Michelle, oh, it just gives me the goosebumps. Like, sorry that I'm not talking about their names or their case, but it does go into like a whole nother thing with theirs. But they even texted a friend. If we come up missing, like it was because we were killed. There's, they even texted that there was a strange, creepy guy like around their camp area. Yeah, there's like a huge correlation of people going missing and being murdered at like camps and national parks there's yeah i mean i think there's probably multiple podcasts about it but mm-hmm. uh, i mean it's an easy put that's why camping i do enjoy camping but it does give me the heebie-jeebies sometimes just because it's like you don't have locks on your tent yeah <laughs> you know that's a good reminder because i'm always like i love camping mm-hmm. but then when i am i'm like wow someone could kill me and it would be yeah it's just kind of like a we all abide by this social contract, right? You're not going to kill me just because I'm out in the open, right? Because this case got so much attention. We also need to remember that there's a lot of women of color that also go missing and that are also murdered and they don't get this much attention. We're spoon fed what they want us to hear and see on the national coverage. But like we said in our last episode, like it's, you have more than enough opportunities to do your own research Mm -hmm. and look into it because yeah indigenous women go missing all the time especially in the utah wyoming area wow um and it is i'm sure astronomical numbers in comparison to like little white girls yeah not saying that little white girls don't serve fucking protection either yeah everyone does. all these stories matter equally yeah but they should in the same light, get the equal amount of attention. I wish there was a way that we could get the media to be yeah responsible about this. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I guess it doesn't sell. It doesn't sell the same way. And so it's like, you can recount this story to me because there's a lot of information out there where it's like, I'm sure you can't recount yeah. any of those other stories because there's just... This person's missing. She probably ran away. Mm-hmm. No one runs away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one runs away and goes missing without a cell phone, hitting their debit. Like, it's it's just not happening. All right, Michelle. Okay. So this is more of a tale of just a rich, prominent family oh in a community gosh. and how they've been swaying law enforcement and all these other things for, I'm sure, generations. But this story starts... Let's say it starts in 2015. I'm going to bounce okay. around a little bit, but I try to keep it organized as possible. Okay. So I'm going to start with the boat crash that really was like the first domino fall in this case. Mm-hmm. During the early hours of February 24th, 2019, 
Paul Murdoch, Mallory Beach, Anthony Cook, who's Mallory's boyfriend, Connor Cook, who's Anthony's cousin, and two other teenage friends were involved in a fatal boat crash near Paris Island, South Carolina. Surveillance video from hours earlier shows Paul buying alcohol with a fake ID. It ends up being his older brother, Buster's. Okay. Um, from a gas station and then later from a bar. Paul was allegedly driving the boat when he crashed into a bridge at high speed, launching everyone into the water and everyone surfaced except for Mallory. After the crash, four of the five teens were rushed to the hospital. A nurse stated Paul Murdoch was, quote, only wearing boxers and that he was grossly intoxicated and belligerent, end quote, and that he appeared to be, quote, the most intoxicated and uncooperative of those involved, end quote. A blood test taken at the hospital at 4 a.m., shows he had a blood alcohol level of 2.86, which is more than three times the legal limit. Unfortunately, Mallory Beach's body was found a week later. Um, the coroner's office said Mallory died from drowning and blunt force trauma. Obviously, she was hurt severely from, like, the crash, yeah. but then drowned, so oh she was still alive. Okay. Was, is Mallory his sister or a friend? A friend. Okay. She's a Paul Murdoch is part of the Murdoch family who we're talking about. Mallory was dating... A friend Another of his, friend. Okay. Um, Anthony Cook, and then Anthony Cook's cousin, Connor Cook, was also on the boat. On the night of the boat crash, this interaction is caught on, um, like, a body cam between one of the passengers and an officer. It's a male voice, so it might be Anthony, it might be Connor, and I'm not sure the sex of the other two people on the boat, mm -hmm. but this was said. So the passenger says, y'all know Alex Murdoch? And the officer says, yeah. The passenger says, well, that's his son. And the officer says, the one that was driving the boat? And the passenger says, yeah, good luck. So in order to understand that cryptic warning, oh, no. you need to understand the Murdoch family. Oh my god, I feel sick. And the power that they held in this community. For more than a century, the Murdochs dominated the legal landscape in the area. From 1920 to 2006, three members of the family consecutively served as solicitor, which is the district attorney. Okay. Um, which is like the highest lawyer I'm in the scared. county. My eyes are literally watering because I'm don't so worry. scared. Don't worry. <laughs> You're not there. You don't live there. <laughs> um, so they're in charge of prosecuting all criminal cases in the state's 14th Circuit District. It's five counties. It goes Randolph Murdoch Sr. and then Randolph Buster Murdoch Jr. So he goes by Buster. What in the dog rock mohawk <laughs> name? <laughs> it is like such a rich white person to name to nickname your kid Buster. Oh my god. It's like you're a grown man and people are calling you Buster. Hey, like, Buster. that was his name. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Randolph Murdaugh III. The three of them from 1920 to 2006. It was just son after son after son wow. taking this position. The family also founded a nationally influential civil litigation law firm in Hampton, South Carolina. Because of the family's decades-long control of the office of solicitor, it wielded enormous judicial and political power for almost a century. Many of the community thought the justice system was rigged. Many local attorneys would choose to settle out of court rather than go to trial. Paul's father, so Paul was the teen in the boat. Yes. His father, his father, Alex Murdoch, never became the solicitor, but he did join the family law firm. He's married to Maggie Murdoch, and they have a second son besides Paul, who's Richard Alexander Jr., who goes by Buster as well. I'm not going to talk about... I need a family tree. I know. Me. I'm not going to talk about the older All generations is further. Paul you, Paul. Dad, Alex, and Buster. And Buster. Buster's brother. Paul's brother? Yep. Okay. Buster. I'm not going to talk about any of these older people going okay. forward, but that's just the family line. So snakes, snakes. So that's a family tree to say he's well connected is an understatement. They pretty much run the law there. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the boat crash. Paul was not given a field sobriety test. Wasn't taken to jail for booking. Although passengers on the scene said he was in fact the one driving. He was never handcuffed. And this led to speculation that he received special treatment because of his family connections. Eventually, Paul was indicted on three charges in April 2020, so a year later. Voting mm -hmm. under the influence causing death, and two counts of voting under the influence causing great bodily injury. Everyone was, like, hurt during oh. this crash. Only one person didn't go to the hospital. Paul was then free on a $50,000 bail. So the people on the boat, were any of them, like, something needs to be done during the time that nothing was being done at the time or did they not know no 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 even on on the scene there's you can look up this recording and this video camera 
uh, there is a male voice that says that motherfucker needs to rot in jail, but nothing's going to be done to him. Oh my god! So everyone on the okay. scene fucking hates Paul. Aww. You'll understand later why they don't say anything. Okay. We're in 2020 now. Paul's free on bail. He's still attending college and he's awaiting trial until June 7th. 2021. So on June 7, 2021, Alex Murdoch finds his wife Maggie and his son Paul dead at their 1700 acre hunting lodge near the dog kennels. Alex is the dad. dad. Okay, and say that again? He finds Maggie, his wife, and his son Paul, the the youth behind the boat crash, dead on their hunting grounds. What? Yes. So this is about two years and a few months after the boat the crash. The boat crash, okay. As, like, this whole trial is, like, still happening. You know, everything's mm-hmm. in the system. Paul Murdoch was killed by two shotgun blasts, one to the chest and another through the arm and head. Maggie Murdoch died of multiple gunshot wounds by a semi-automatic rifle, an AR-15. According to sources, Alex, who called 911 around 10 p.m., he said he had been with his terminally ill father, Randolph III, at the time of the killings. This isn't as important, but Randolph III does die of natural causes three days later on June 10th. Following the double murder, two of Alex's siblings, so Alex is the dad, his brothers go on Good Morning America, and they claim that Paul had been receiving online threats since the boat accident, although they never reported them to authorities. They also deny that their family connections had any sway whatsoever over law enforcement and denied the possibility that Alex had anything to do with the murders. Bizarrely, a day after the murders, Colton County officials state, at this time, there is no danger to the public. Alex himself has denied any involvement, and as of now, there are no clear suspects in this case. What's bizarre about that is, if you don't think that Dad did it, and these two people were obviously gunned down, how is there no clear danger to the community at large? You know what I mean? Just makes it seem like there's two crazy people with guns out there Mm -hmm. shooting people. So it's bizarre that they would make that statement. Yeah. Don't worry, because we do know it's him, but we're not going to rule anything. Exactly. Mm. Um, And then I also did a little note. So three days before the murders on June 4th, court ordered mediation in the wrongful death lawsuit fails, which appears to make the case bound for trial. Seems like the brothers were trying to say, like, people mad about what happened at the boat crash Mm -hmm. went and murdered him, but it looks like it it was going to go to trial. It's not like something happened where... They're not going to go to trial. They're not going to get justice. We need to take this in our own Yes. Hands. Yeah. Vigilante justice. Like three days before the murders, pretty much it's known it is going to trial. Oh. So who would get fucked over by that? The family, not yeah. the outsiders. Oh, shit. What would come out in the trial? Oh, my God. So here, what are you thinking? Like here I'm thinking the dad probably did it because they do so much shady shit that he's like, let me just kill my son. Let mm-hmm. this be done. And then they won't dig into my family well i don't think he did it himself because he did have an alibi it checked out as did the other son Mm -hmm. that's remaining but i don't think it's above him to hire a hitman right and what i've read this isn't facts this is speculation i believe that maggie was actually the person that was supposed to be gunned and paul was there on accident because i didn't remind me who maggie is the the mother the wife alex's wife alex's wife paul's mother oh shit so maggie and paul mother and son were murdered together maggie i guess knowing that the case was going to go to trial had requested a like a financial investigator almost the mom requested yes like a financial auditor okay to kind of see what the state of everything was and i remember in the housewife sentence like telling erica like you need to get a financial auditor and then she says she's like that's how I knew I was part owner of like two minor league baseball teams or whatever like it happens yeah. a lot in divorces because there's just money knows, everywhere right so you need to get like this situation there is speculation that Alex was trying to kill Maggie because she was looking into finances Ooh. because of this trial the boat crash so you think it's crazy enough right oh my god Sam I have three more twists to throw oh, at you wow. So on June 23rd, 2021, so this is like a few weeks after the double homicide, another shocking murder embroils the remaining Murdoch son, Buster. Based on information gathered in the double homicide investigation, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, I'm going to call them SLED going forward. So SLED says it's looking into the 2015 death of Stephen Smith in Hampton County. They do not elaborate on what information they obtained, but... 
because something just came out the other day. I believe some of it is due to a new lawsuit that has come out against Alex Murdoch, the dad. So Connor Cook, who okay. was on the boat back in 2019, yes. is now suing Alex Murdoch. The suit states that after the crash, Alex Murdoch told Cook, who was 19 at the time, to keep his mouth shut and tell authorities he did not know who was driving the boat at the time of the crash, mm. even though he knew it was Paul. He told Connor and his family which lawyer to retain, Corey Fleming, and not to speak to authorities. On top of this, Alex and others started a whisper campaign in the community, shifting blame from Paul to Connor. In his testimony, Connor indicated that there were several rumored or alleged incidents involving members of the Murdoch family that gave him pause in telling the truth to police. So Connor stated, There was something that Paul was supposedly involved with a guy, got found beat up in the middle of the road, and that they got out of it. So now let me tell you about Stephen Smith. Oh my god. So it's already known in this community that the Murdaws are somehow involved in the Stephen Smith case. Okay. But it's been kept hushed up. So Connor didn't want to go to the police because he's like, they already hushed that up. Like, I'm not going to speak to the police. Also, Alex himself has come up to me and told me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So I'm not touching it. But... He just recently filed this lawsuit against Alex Murdoch, which came out a few days ago. So now everybody knows why he wasn't speaking earlier. Yeah. Stephen Smith. On July 8th, 2015, this is four years before the boat crash. Oh my God, okay. This is four years before the boat crash. At 4 a.m., 19-year-old Stephen Smith's body was found with a fetal head wound on a road in Hampton County, South Carolina. Investigators concluded that Smith was walking home after running out of gas. His car was found like three miles down the road mm-hmm. with the gas cap off um, and then was struck in the head by a vehicle. Stephen's mother, Sandy Smith, has always maintained that her son, who was openly gay, did not die of a hit and run, that he was murdered over his sexual orientation. The coroner also said that he didn't believe Stephen's death was a hit and run. The original report, which was written by South Carolina Highway Patrol, states, The victim was found in the middle of Sandy Run Road, deceased with some sort of blunt force trauma to the head. Responded to the scene, I saw no vehicle debris, skid marks, or injuries consistent with someone being struck by a vehicle. It's gone down as a hit and run, but there's no, like, skid marks, there's no broken glass, there's Mm -hmm. nothing in the area that is consistent with a hit and run. But it was just filed away as a hit and run. At the time of the incident, Buster's name was mentioned during the interviews and called into the tip line. A few of the alleged rumors at the time were, one, Buster and other teenage boys were out driving, saw Steven's abandoned car, found him on the road, and struck him with something out the window. They think a bat. Oh my god. Two, Buster and others picked Steven up, beat him up, and then threw him from the car. Or three, Buster and Steven were having a relationship and something went wrong. So these are the rumors that were told even back then in 2015. And they went nowhere. They went literally nowhere. And... Just so you know, like, Steven's car is, like, a bright yellow little hatchback, Mm -hmm. so it is very, like, recognizable. Like, if you saw it, you'd be like, that's Steven Smith's car. So his mother, Sandy Smith, has always believed her son was killed for being gay by several local Hampton community youths from prestigious families, which she believes have sworn to protect their children, no matter what heinous crime they have committed. The case went cold in 2006, but now, because of this double homicide, it's being reopened. Wow. But Stephen Smith's case wasn't the only one to be reopened after the double homicide. There was another incident in 2018. Oh, Lord. So a year before the boat crash. That is now receiving additional attention from law enforcement. I'm bringing back Connor Cook again. That testimony where he mentions why he's not talking about the Murdochs and how they covered up Stephen's murder. He also mentions something else. Cook stated, There's a couple of things that happened in Hampton that I heard about. One was that Paul had pushed his housekeeper down the stairs and she died and nothing ever happened. (gasps) Oh my god. So now let me tell you about Gloria Satterfield. Gloria. Who is the housekeeper? So for more than two decades, she had served as the family housekeeper and nanny until her death on February 26, 2018. The death was reported as a trip and fall. But no coroner was ever notified, no autopsy was ever performed, and the death certificate erroneously said that it was by natural causes, which a trip and fall is not natural causes. Satterfield's two sons received a settlement of $500,000, but by 2021, they had still received no money. During the settlement negotiations, the Satterfield sons were represented by a lawyer Alex recommended to them, Corey Fleming. You might remember that name because it's also the lawyer he told Connor to retain. 
What nobody knew is that Fleming is Alex's former college roommate and godfather to one of his sons. Oh, hell. So, not only super shady, but, like, a conflict of interest and illegal. Wow. Um, Also, as I was writing this last night, a new article came out about that whole situation. And pretty much Alex went up to her sons at the funeral and said, you guys should sue me because the insurance will pay you out and then you'll at least get some money for, like, this horrible accident that happened. So they did that. And he said, you guys need to retain Corey Fleming. And then this is the banker that you guys should use, which they did all that. For some reason, legally, and this also bringing back my housewife shit from the hustler and the housewife, it had so many Tom Girardi, like, similarities. So legally, their lawyer that's representing them only needs to talk to the banker. He doesn't need to tell them anything that's happening on with the case. And so the lawyer told them, like, all right, we settled it. It's $500,000, which, if you remember in The Hustler, they were just like, all right, we didn't even know it was settled. We didn't have to sign anything. They just told us what the money was after the fact. They actually settled that case for $4.7 million with $2.7 or $2.3 that should have gone to the brothers. Yeah. And they told them that they got them half a million. Oh my god. And they god. still even gotten any of that half a million. And so there's just millions of dollars that are now missing after Alex Murdoch told them to sue him, use these people. Of course, like all the people on the cut, I'm sure got their cut. Yeah. You know? And then did the same thing to Connor and said, use this lawyer. So I'm sure Corey Fleming has a few questions to answer too. So a quick wrap up before the final twist. Oh, hell. We are at five dead people at this point. We have one hate crime by Buster, Mm -hmm. one push down the stairs by Paul, a fatal boat crash by Paul, and a double homicide by TBD of Paul and Maggie. Yes. So these are five dead people now in this fucking twist this of a like family. A movie, I know. A book. I was like, after the double homicide, it could have ended. Yeah. After the boat crash, it could have been its Whoa. own thing. They're gonna make a lifetime movie out of this. HBO Max has already picked this up for a miniseries. This is the most recent, maybe the final twist. I fucking doubt oh, it based I on this family. Final, but knowing this family, it's no. probably not going to be. So on Friday, September 3rd, 2021, so literally like three weeks ago, Labor Day weekend, Alex is forced to resign from his family law firm after being accused of mishandling funds. According to the New York Times, the amount involved was in the millions. So another Tom Girardi Mm -hmm. situation. And like I just told you with the housekeeper, if he did that once, how how many fucking times has he been doing this? It doesn't end there. So on September 4th, the day after he... He's forced to resign. Alex is shot in the head while changing a tire on the side of the road. He claims a truck slowed down, shot him, and then drove away. The injury only grazed his head, and he was released from the hospital soon after. What? Yes. There's something else after that? (laughs) So on September 6th, he releases this statement. This is from Alex Murdoch. Oh, what do you have to say? The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredible difficult time in my life. I have made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab for a long battle that has been exasperated by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. So this is after the headshot. He releases a statement says he's going into rehab. And he somehow is allowed to go into rehab. So he's at rehab. (laughs) I'm so confused. Yeah. Don't be confused for too long. So his lawyer says that what he's entering rehab for is he's been abusing oxycodone for 20 years. But on September 15th, so what, a few days ago, Mm -hmm. maybe a week ago, SLED, law enforcement, announced that Alex's former client, Curtis Edward Smith, who was also his dealer for the oxycodone, had been arrested for conspiring with Alex to kill him on the roadside, shooting him so that his remaining son, Buster, would would receive a $10 million insurance payout. What the fuck? Smith was charged with assisted suicide, aggravated assault and battery, and insurance fraud. Alex, suffering from massive depression and wanting to kill himself, admitted to concocting the assisted suicide as a murder scheme because he wrongly believed his son would not receive the insurance money if he committed suicide himself. Murdoch has been charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. Because in the beginning, he said that somebody just shot him. Yeah. 
now on September 15th, he has come out and said, yes, he was, like, working with his drug dealer. Oh, my God. So that his drug dealer would kill him. I don't believe that. Um, so that his son, Buster, would get $10 million. You don't think that he hired the drug dealer to actually kill him? No. Just do a little. Do a little graze. And I think, and I've read this, but I do believe, like, he was probably going to try and do, like, a shootout with that man. Mm-hmm his drug dealer, and then pin the double homicide on him. But who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe Curtis was the one that did the double homicide. Like, we still don't know who killed Paul and Maggie. The immediate family members, Alex and Buster, did have alibis. So it definitely was a hitman. So anyway, so that's where we are as of September 23rd. But, like, this case is still unfolding. I just want to, like, I'm just thinking of that lady in the gif where she has all the equations around her face. (laughs) And she's like... For real, though. Okay, so do we really think he had a drinking problem and a drug problem? Or is he just trying to act like he had a problem to where he gets a little better treatment being an alcoholic, like, in rehab? Maybe. So who would have killed his wife and son? Think he hired someone to kill them? I feel like he might have hired somebody to kill him. And or because the boat accident, now everyone looked at his family and, like, how they were, you know fucking up cases with the Stephen Smith case, the housekeeper case. Those are like murder cases that it seems like they were covering up. But you have to think on the other hand, all this financial bullshit that's coming out because of those cases, which that implicates other lawyers, that implicates judges, that implicates law enforcement. It's like, that's a, a fucking beehive of shit. And it's like anybody that was about to get found out because of this other thing could have killed them too. Like, it could have been a judge that was going to be next on the chopping block, you know? But here we are wanting to pass the law in Texas that anyone can get in trouble <laughs> for helping yeah. someone get an abortion. Yep. But these monsters just have free reign to, do for what- decades. Literally do whatever they Do whatever. Fuck. What? And I hear, I hear that Buster wasn't too bad, but Paul, the younger brother that wasn't uh, responsible for the boat crash, was a shit. Wow. Was just like exactly who you think he was where it's like, do you know my family and just got away yeah. with fucking murder. And also it's like with the housekeeper thing, it's like she was their housekeeper and nanny for 20 years. Not only did your son probably murder her, mm-hmm. but then you go and fucking like scam her remaining living sons oh for gosh, millions of dollars yeah. when your son threw her down the stairs. 20 years. It's like they become more than. Oh, yeah. your employee more than your family 20 Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. that's what's happening with this fucking case which is insane and i i'm sorry but i feel like it happens more often than not with these rich influential like dynasties Mm -hmm. of family it like is like um the martha moxley case in greenwich where it was like the skakel brothers who were cousins of the kennedys murdered her like in the 70s like on halloween night and forever it was just covered up as much as possible oh my god same with ted kennedy out in chappaquiddick have you heard about that story he um was taking they were all partying and stuff he was taking a girl to the ferry so that she could get back to the mainland this is all in massachusetts Mm -hmm. um and he was drunk as fuck drove out off the road into a lake and just left her there. Like, oh he was so drunk, God. he just, like, walked home and went to bed. And this man became, like, a state senator for years. Like, what? it didn't even affect his reputation. It affected nothing. He wow. murdered a girl or left her to die. Yeah. They don't know. And it just had literally zero effect. These families really, who knows anything about Hampton County, South Carolina, except mm-hmm. for the people that live there. Yeah. That are just being fucking... I don't, I don't. It's like they're in their own little world. Yeah. And anyone who knows that something is going down, that's mm-hmm. not right. It's like you can't say anything. No. Because, like, you're a little person compared to these rich. Yeah, yeah there's definitely got to be mm-hmm. more that comes out of this. There has to be, but I also was reading where people were like, a few of the local attorneys and people will go down, but once it gets higher than that, it'll get squashed. Like, this is three decades of this malfeasances happening, like, it's been rotting for years and years and years like once you start uncovering things it's gonna get to a point where someone's too powerful and they fucking tamp it back down you know oh my gosh it's crazy Ooh, if you go down the the reddit rabbit hole 
where people know fucking Paul and what? have stories. They He had a drunk alter ego named Timmy. Stop it. Yeah. So I'm not going to get into the speculation, the hearsay, but you can really get lost in this one. Wow. What's not? <laughs> where do I start with all, with everything? Let's not cover blindly for our children. I think in both of these stories, there's parents who I understand your your children are the light of your lives and you'll do it seems like anything for them but mm-hmm. it helps nobody else out and you're just doing a disservice to yourself and everybody involved if your child's a piece of shit your child's a piece of shit <laughs> let's not be afraid to say something if we see something oh just because especially with going back to the Gabby Petito case where the 911 call about how they saw Brian slapping her and mm-hmm. it's like it just completely changes the whole narrative narrative of it yeah mm-hmm. you definitely want to come forward when you see things like that happening because mm-hmm. you just never know not that law enforcement did much about it right. but that's a whole separate issue yeah all right guys well that's gonna be it for this week's mm-hmm. episode we lied to them last week we said we were gonna do a lighter one <laughs> we did we hope that you guys are enjoying your fucking fall season because it's here and stay tuned because we're gonna be doing some spooky episodes for the month of october oh, yeah. that's it is that that's already next starting week. next week yeah. <gasps> Ooh, get ready for the spookies get ready for it all right we'll catch you next week see ya we love you be love safe you. out there be safe enjoy a pumpkin spice oh okay all right, all right. bye, bye. Let's Not Podcast is part of The Dorkening, which is a network dedicated for podcasters, a group of shows helping each other to grow, share ideas, collaborate, and innovate. You can check out more at thedorkening.com. And thank you to our sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee. Deadly Grounds Coffee is fresh roasted here in New England by skilled master roasters in a unique way that allows the true flavor of the bean to come through. It's coffee the way it was meant to be. Fresh, bold, delicious. It's coffee to die for. Check them out at DeadlyGroundsCoffee.com.